Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Talks in Class. I am Jenna, your host on this journey. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you've all had a really nice week, and if you're here in the US, a nice Labor Day weekend, a long weekend, if you were off work on Monday. I feel like Labor Day weekend is always so bittersweet for me because it is the unofficial end of summer, right? It's the unofficial end of the season where everybody goes back home, <laughs> leaves the beach towns, and we're supposed to get our lives together and go back to real life. And as much as I really do love fall, and when I was on the East Coast especially, or I guess pretty much anywhere that I've lived other than here in California, I always really welcomed the change of seasons because by the end of summer, it is always so hot and miserable and humid, you know? I mean, this might be a Midwestern dad cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. The humidity really is what gets you. It's not the heat, it's the humidity. But even all that said, I love summer. It's my favorite season. I get a little sad when it's over. So Labor Day weekend is, it, it's bittersweet. It's really been kind of gloomy here for the past few days. It was not the nicest weekend. It wasn't a beach weekend, we'll just say that. Um, but we had a fun weekend. We did a little bit of uh, thrifting and vintage shopping and I actually had one of the most successful thrifting shopping weekends that I've had in a really, really long time, which brings me to my what good happened this week. And that is that I found something that I've been looking for for probably close to two years, not even kidding. Actively looking for this item for almost two full years. I have been on the hunt <laughs> for a juicy tracksuit in this specific kind of light blue color that Paris Hilton wears in the House of Wax. They make them now in that color, the, the modern versions of them, but I didn't want to just buy a new suit from Urban Outfitters or whatever. I really wanted to find a vintage one. It's just really hard to find matching sets in general, let alone finding a matching set in the right color and the right size that was vintage. So I've found a few that have been almost right. Maybe they weren't actually a matching set, but the color was almost the same on the top and the bottom or the color matched on both pieces, but one piece was a size that didn't quite fit me. And then, you know, there are a lot out there that are just so expensive. Like the resale market is really bananas, but that's just a whole different conversation. Anyway. This weekend on Sunday, we went to the Melrose Trading Post, which is just this huge flea market in LA. I actually really love going there. I always find good stuff. A lot of the vendors actually have more reasonable prices than buying on like eBay or definitely more than somewhere like Depop or in a vintage store. And there's just a ton of variety. And I found the tracksuit, you guys. I spotted the jacket from like a few booths away and I was like, okay, that's the color. Let me go look at it. And then when I went to go look at the jacket, I saw that it had the matching pants and I was like, is this happening right now? This can't be happening right now. Not only is it the right color, but it was in, it's an actual matching set. And then I realized it was my size. Like it, it was all perfect. The right color matching set, my size. It was just one of those magical thrifting moments. If you've been here a while, you probably already know, I, I love thrifting. I love the excitement of finding a good vintage piece, but there's something so much more exciting and just satisfying about finding that piece in the wild, as my husband and I like to say, like stumbling on it at a store 
or at a flea market rather than hunting it down on eBay or somewhere online. <laughs> Obviously I bought it. I bought the track suit. I love it so much. I'm so excited about it. It's actually the only matching set that I have, vintage matching set of Juicy that I have in my collection and it's beautiful. And we just had a great time browsing all the booths at this market. They have so many great vendors and so much variety, but some of my favorite vendors are the ones with old toys. There was one booth that had some of those old Barbie cases, you know, those plastic kind of suitcase looking cases from the 60s, really old ones that were really beautiful. And there was another one with a ton of action figures from probably the 80s and 90s. My husband was very excited about those. And that actually brings me perfectly into today's topic, which is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while because it's something that brings back so many fun memories for me. And that is 90s toys. Before we get into this week's episode, I do want to give an update to those of you who use my clothing rental subscription service, Jenna Barclay Stylebox, or anyone who is interested in trying it. When we first launched this service last fall, the only option was the standard plan of two items per box with unlimited swapping, of course, but each box had two items. So a few months ago, we added a variety of brand new plans to the style box. So you can now choose how many items you want to receive in each one of your boxes. You can choose from two, three, four, five, or six items per box. And with the return notify feature, you can have two boxes worth of things at home at any given time. So you can really choose which plan works best for you based on how you use rentals to supplement your wardrobe. I have the four item plan, which is perfect for me because I use rental to just add variety and try new styles that I may be interested in potentially buying and to rent items for special occasions like holidays or events so I don't have to buy things that I'll only wear once. If you want to get more variety, you can now easily up your plan to get more items in each box. You can have more items at home at a time. If you haven't tried it yet and you're curious, your first month is always absolutely free, no code needed. Just head to jennabarclaystylebox.com and click get started. Your first month free will automatically be applied. So as an only child growing up in the 90s, toys were really, really important to me. I had friends over a lot or I'd go to friends' houses, but because I was an only child, I didn't have those built-in playmates at home like some of my friends who had siblings that were close enough in age kind of did. And when I didn't have friends over, I had to entertain myself. And I was always pretty good at that as a kid. I was a really imaginative kid. My parents would tell me, you know, all the time, like, you're so creative. You have such a wild imagination. I'm not really sure if that was always a compliment, but I digress. I could spend hours just setting up my Barbies, like not really playing, just setting up her house, setting up all her stuff, setting up her little, <laughs> her little world that she lived in, picking out her outfits and just creating these elaborate backstories for her in my mind, all about, you know, the world that she inhabited. Did anybody else do this? I feel like this is what my friends and I really spent most of our time doing when we were playing with any sort of dolls, but especially Barbie. We were really just telling stories about these dolls, not really necessarily playing with them. Like we weren't acting out the stories with the dolls. We were just dressing them up and coming up with the stories about, you know, why they were wearing what they were wearing or, you know, where they were going, wearing that outfit or who their friends were, what their jobs were or whatever. 
This is what I also did when I was alone as a kid. I'd create these elaborate worlds with my toys in my little room. Or I would do a lot of weird arts and crafts projects. I was really into like DIY things that probably didn't turn out very well <laughs> when I was a kid. I always wanted every single one of those gimmicky art project toy sets that they would advertise on TV in the 90s. I remember all these commercials and I, I mean, I ate them all up. I wanted every single one, like the spin art or the sand art where you just put colorful sand in those little jars. I'm sure I never got that, thank God, because that would probably have made such a mess. But I loved all of that stuff. And usually my parents were like, no, but you know, here's a new set of gel pens. <laughs> go keep yourself busy. And honestly, that was pretty exciting. So it was, that was fine with me. But when I think about my actual childhood, like pre-tween years, like single digit ages, up until about, you know, 10 years old or so, I spent most of my time playing with my toys. I mean, I watched TV too. I was a latchkey kid, so I watched a lot of TV. But I think people my age, I'm 36, I was born in 1987, we're kind of that perfect age where technology didn't really take off in a major and impactful way until about the time we hit our tween years. The idea of people having a home computer with internet access and using that for entertainment, like going online was our activity. That wasn't a thing when I was an actual kid, when I was a child in the early 90s. That happened really when I was around you know, 10, maybe 11 years old, computers and internet access became really common. Pretty much all of my friends you know, had one at home. And I think that that just aligned so perfectly for my friends and I who are around my age because that was around the same time that we were just becoming naturally less interested in toys and we're looking for some other way to entertain ourselves, which, you know, lucky for us, became AOL chat rooms and AIM, my God. <laughs> but before that, toys were really all we had to entertain ourselves. Toys and, and Nickelodeon and like PBS kids, that's what we had to entertain ourselves. And whatever weird VHS tapes we could get our hands on either from our weirdly curated family VHS collection or maybe the rental store in town if we were really, really lucky. So when I was young, in terms of toys, it was all the classics. Barbies, of course. I could do a whole episode just on Barbie because I loved Barbies so much. I had so many Barbies. And my friends and I were really creative. I had a couple really close friends who were also obsessed with Barbie. And we would ask for different Barbies and different Barbie play sets for you know birthdays and holidays and things like that so that we could combine our collections and really maximize the amount of Barbie things that we had together. And we, I mean, we went all out. We loved it. But we also <laughs> had all sorts of other like weird dolls in the 90s. I swear this was a thing. There was a doll that would pee herself. Please tell me I'm not making this up. I should have Googled this before I recorded this, but this feels like a pretty distinct memory that there was a doll that would wet herself and that was our entertainment was the doll peeing herself i don't know and then there was the other doll that would come with this little spoon and a jar of cherries and the cherries were like spring loaded so when they would touch the doll's mouth as you were pretending to feed her they would shoot back up inside the spoon to make it look like she ate them i still remember they had this really loud noise as they would pop back up into the spoon 
Then there were non-baby doll dolls. There were those scented cupcake dolls. I was obsessed with these. I loved anything scented. This was a gimmick that I fell for, hook, line, and sinker. But their skirts were like a cupcake liner and they were all scented like strawberries or vanilla or whatever. I loved those stupid little dolls. I'm not really sure what the purpose of them was to play with, but whatever. Or we had those spinning dolls that had a drawstring that you would pull and they'd go flying off their base into the air. Sky dancers. They were so dangerous because they would fly so fast and they <laughs> you never knew where they were going to go. So they'd go up into the ceiling fan or they'd smack somebody in the back of the head. Like I remember hearing a lot of stories about kids getting whacked in the face with them. We had some wild toys in the 90s. Like safety was not a priority. <laughs> it came to a lot of kids toys but I do feel like I was maybe just a tad too young I missed the boat just by a tiny bit on some of those really classic dolls like Raggedy Ann and Cabbage Patch dolls I missed the Cabbage Patch craze but I do remember when I was very young having Cabbage Patch dolls and my mom being like you have to take really good care of this because in her mind, these dolls were still very important and like hard to find, but it was after the real Cabbage Patch craze. But for us 90s kids, our doll that everybody was obsessed with, of course, were the American Girl dolls. These dolls were so freaking expensive and they were like kind of advertised as collectibles, but there were also, you know, toys for kids to play with. And I did not <laughs> treat them like collectibles. I was very good about taking care of my things, but not when it came to toys. I was not a kid that would respect the idea of a toy that you couldn't play with. But I was obsessed with American Girl Dolls regardless. I loved everything about them, their stuff, their stories. I read the books. We, All my friends and I were obsessed. And I don't know if I've told this story before, I might have, but the Pleasant Company, which owned American Girls, they, they were the ones that made American Girl dolls before they sold to, I think it was Mattel. They were based in Wisconsin, which is where I grew up. And they would have this warehouse sale every summer at the you know headquarters, wherever, their factory, I don't know. And we would always go every summer. And this was the highlight of my summer as a kid in the 90s because they would have all this random stuff, just a hodgepodge of random stuff. And I guess it was maybe slightly damaged or had small flaws or whatever, but it was cheaper. So we could get away with actually, you know, getting some of this stuff because it was wildly expensive. So I had this just random assortment of American Girl doll stuff. You know, I'd have like one doll's bed and the other doll's like school set and it didn't really go together, but whatever, we made it work. My first American Girl doll was Samantha. And you know how now online they have all of this stuff, all these memes about like, if you had this American Girl doll, this is what you were like. I was such a Samantha girl. And this is not a compliment, by the way. I feel like the general consensus online is that Samantha girls were kind of the worst, but I was a Samantha girl as a kid. I'm, I'm sorry to everybody. And then after Samantha, I got Addie and she was always my favorite. I thought Addie was the coolest. A lot of my friends had Molly or Kirsten. So I was like a little different because I had Samantha and Addie, I guess. And American Girl also did such a great job of making general merchandise for young girls, not necessarily the stuff that was for the dolls, but just other everyday stuff that we could have. I had American Girl doll pillow on my bed at one point and it was this really cool big pink daisy shaped pillow i also had an american girl alarm clock that would project the time onto the ceiling with a light 
So when my alarm would wake up in the morning, as the alarm was going off, you could see the time on the ceiling and then I could tell myself, oh, it's only, you know, whatever time, I can snooze for 10 minutes. That was actually really cool. I still have that, but it does not have batteries. I'll have to see if I put batteries into it, if it still works. Also, when I was really young, we had Polly Pockets, but back when Polly Pockets were still absolutely um, almost microscopic choking hazards, <laughs> they were really, really small. Polly was like, I don't know, half an inch tall. She was tiny. She was the size of a, a Barbie doll shoe, basically. What were we doing with Polly Pocket? How were we playing with Polly Pocket back when she was... <laughs> less than an inch tall. Her little play sets were the size of our mom's Merle Norman powder compacts. And all you could really do was put her into a few of the little standing spots. There'd be that little circle and you'd stick Polly's little base into the different spots. And like, that's it. That's all you could really do with her because she was tiny and then eventually you would lose her and you'd be left with just the set and no Polly. I mean, I guess we did the same thing with Polly Pocket as we did with Barbie. Just kind of created a backstory for her and used her as an inspiration piece to tell the stories, if you will. I actually still have a few of my early 90s Polly Pockets, and I mean, they seem kind of useless as toys, honestly. Like, <laughs> imagine giving a kid today a Polly Pocket. They would be like, what does it do? Where's the on-off switch? Like, it doesn't do anything, but they are so cute. I will say that the little play sets are so adorable. They're really unique and fun. They were really inventive in the kinds of play sets that they had. I have a hair salon one and I have kind of a jungle theme one that's really cool. And I have the castle one. You guys, if you're a Polly Pocket kid, you remember the castle one. It lit up with stars on the back and there was a little night and a closet. It was the coolest one by far. I'm so glad I still have that one. I was also absolutely like borderline crazy level obsessed with Littlest Pet Shop as a kid. Do you guys remember these? Please tell me someone remembers these. They were just little plastic animals and they had all of these various props and scenes that you could buy for them, just like Barbie or anything else. There was a little dog house, a little cat carrier. There were aquariums for fish. There were, you know, cages for iguanas and turtles. And there was a little penguin set. It was so cool and so adorable. I actually Googled 90s Littlest Pet Shop to try to spark some memories of the different little play sets that they had. And the image results actually kind of had me in my feelings. I remember so many of these specifically. I remember going to the store and obsessing over specific ones of these littlest pet shop little play sets that I wanted so bad and you know, asking for them for my birthday or Christmas. I actually bet anything that I still have some of these in my mom's garage. She has a lot of plastic bins of a lot of my toys from the 90s way back in the, in the back corner of our garage. So I'm gonna look next time I'm there. They were really adorable though. I loved them, they were so cute. In addition to all these cute little plastic dolls and animals and just random little figures that we could play with by making up stories about them, we also had the classic activity toys, you know, the ones that you would play with outside. I feel like these toys, a lot of them were just kind of exercise disguised as toys. But as a kid, I mean, we actually enjoyed running around <laughs> and doing physical things. I, I wish I could have just one ounce of the energy that I had as a child, now as an adult. I could go so far <laughs> in my day-to-day -day life. 
But we had things like, you know, the skip it, which was that evil plastic thing you'd strap around your ankle and then you'd have to spin it around your leg while you jumped over it with the other leg. And this thing was honestly evil because once you would start to get tired, you would inevitably miss. And the thing would be going so fast that it would come whipping around your leg and just bash you in the shin so hard you thought you might pass out. And every kid had bruises up and down their shin and nobody thought twice about it because we were like, oh, it's just from the skip it. <laughs> totally normal. Or we had those Velcro paddles that you would strap to your hands and it had a little Velcro ball. And basically you would just play catch with it, but it was way easier because you didn't actually have to catch it. You just stuck your hand out and it would stick with the Velcro. That was probably the only time I could play catch without totally embarrassing myself because I don't have any athleticism in my body. We had super soakers. We had all the Nerf toys. Those were so fun. We also had a lot of dangerous yard toys the slip and slide comes to mind pretty much immediately essentially if you never had the pleasure of using a slip and slide it was just a long sheet of thin slippery plastic and the idea was that it was kind of a backyard water slide that we could try to use to have fun in the summer so you would spray it with the hose or you'd set up a sprinkler that would spray onto the slip and slide. And we would use like our parents lawn sprinkler that they would use to water the grass and you'd set it up. So it hit the slip and slide and all of you and your little friends would slide across it, except the friction from that shiny thin plastic would give you the gnarliest friggin' rash. It burned so bad. And for some reason, we all thought it was fun to slide down on our stomachs. So you would have this burning rash all up and down your thighs and your stomach, maybe even your arms. Like it was so painful. So naturally, in order to try to reduce the friction and therefore the pain from this burn, and also so that we could go faster because again, safety, not really a concern. Some genius somewhere had the brilliant idea to put dish soap on the slip and slide. Somehow this idea just spread like wildfire across the entire world, I guess. And we all did this at one point or another. And when I tell you, when you put dish soap on that slip and slide and sprayed it down with that ice cold hose, you would fly down that little piece of plastic so fast. It was like a, it was like a cartoon. I'm pretty sure this is how a lot of broken bones happened when we were kids, actually, now that I think about it, because you could not stop. And if you had your slip and slide on any sort of even slight downhill slope, which we always did because it was the 90s and danger was fun like the more dangerous the better for us as kids back then you were not gonna stop at the end of that slide you were thrown off the end of the slip and slide you'd go flying into the grass rolling all over the place you'd have you know soap all over you chunks of <laughs> mud and dirt it was rough but honestly it was so much fun we had such a great time with those slightly dangerous backyard toys as kids Kids a little older than me, the 80s kids or the ones who were a little older in the early 90s had moon shoes. I was always jealous of these kids because I was too young to play with these. They were just these things that you'd strap onto your shoes and you'd kind of like bounce when you'd walk. Or there were those pogo balls. I'm not really sure what they were called, but it was essentially a playground ball with a plastic shelf on it and then kind of like a, another ball on top. It looked like Saturn like the planet Saturn with the rings around it, but that ring was a plastic shelf. And the idea was 
that you were somehow supposed to stand on the shelf thing that went around it, the you know the little rings part, and bounce on the ball. It didn't have a handle like a pogo stick. I don't know if anybody out there has tried to bounce on a pogo stick as an adult. I can't even make it two bounces, let alone something that didn't even have the handles. That is impossible. If any kid out there managed to successfully bounce on one of those Saturn looking ball thingies, please tell me how you did it because I am, I'm amazed. Or we had those big bouncing balls with the handle. Those were fun because you would just sit on them and you'd hold the handle and you'd just kind of bounce around. I used to bounce on those like, you know, around my friend's yard or maybe down the aisles in Walmart. We were just so easily entertained. Imagine giving a kid today a ball with a handle and being like, go entertain yourself. <laughs> no iPad for you today, just a ball with a handle, have fun. But as we went through the 90s, obviously, and technology kind of progressed, we went into the early internet age, I do feel like the toys got a little bit more complex, just a little bit more advanced, a little bit more technologically advanced at least. I remember being obsessed with those battery powered digital diaries. You guys remember these, I'm sure. They looked like basically a very large clunky pink plastic version of a sidekick, the phone from like 2005. It would open up and it had a keyboard, except in the 90s, it was just a battery powered toy for girls to use as a very fancy password protected little digital diary. And I don't know that I actually ever wrote anything in there, but it was really cool to have and pretend like I had secrets locked away in there. And a lot of the playset type toys for your various dolls and figurines started to have battery powered functions. They would light up or they'd have sound effects or they'd maybe have something that would twirl or move in some way. And we had really cool gadgety toys or at least we thought they were cool back then. Like the talk boy and the talk girl, which is so funny to me now that I think about it because the entire idea of this toy was basically just a tape recorder <laughs> marketed to children. Imagine the pitch meeting for the talk boy. Okay, so it's a plastic toy. It looks like a handheld tape recorder. And the people are like, oh, well, what does it do? And the guy pitching it is like, well, it records your voice. And they're like, okay, and then what? And the guy's like, and then you can play it back. <laughs> and they're like, we'll call it Talk Boy and we'll put it in the new Home Alone movie so every kid in America will buy it. And every kid in America lost their mind. I had one. It, I mean, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I literally begged my mom for what was essentially a reporter's tape recorder, except it was pink plastic and it was called a Talk Girl. And speaking of wild electronic toys, we cannot forget the Easy Bake Oven. I absolutely lost my mind over the Easy Bake Oven as a kid. The original Easy Bake Oven was from the 60s, which my mom constantly reminded me. So no, this is not unique to 90s kids. And I actually remember my mom being kind of flabbergasted that they still made them. But anyway, I got one. I think I got it for my birthday. I definitely got it for a gift because I remember it being a huge, huge deal. And I set it up immediately and started baking <laughs> things. My poor family, you guys, I made everyone eat whatever those things were, those little cakes or cookies or, I mean, it was food kind of that I literally somehow cooked using a little light bulb inside a plastic box and my loving family ate them. 
okay? We ate that. How are we alive? Honestly, somebody tell me. Someone explain to me what's in an Easy Bake Oven cake and how we survived eating them. I ate a lot of them. My Easy Bake Oven phase was not brief. I mean, between the Easy Bake Oven, the slip and slides, and all the vanilla frosting lip smackers gloss that I accidentally ingested as a kid, it, it's truly a miracle that we all survived the 90s. And then there were also all these cool toys that came out in the 90s where you could make things, just random things. It wasn't just food. You could make all sorts of stuff. I feel like these got really popular, especially in the mid to late 90s. The Creepy Crawlers one always stands out in my mind, if you guys remember this. It was where you could put this goopy stuff into little molds and make little fake bugs. I mean, that was the toy. I think it did use some sort of light or something to kind of bake the stuff into that mold to harden it. But I also had one thing where you could make scrunchies. It was basically a, a kit that came with tubes of fabric and these little elastic bands. So you'd thread the elastic bands into the tubes of fabric and make scrunchies. I mean, not a whole lot to it, but these blew my mind. There were kits where you could make slap bracelets, pretty much anything that a kid could play with. You could buy that thing, but then you could also buy some sort of toy that was a kit where you could make that thing so that we could have an activity and then hopefully play with the thing when we were done making it. And then of course there were all the viral toys. We can't talk about toys from the 90s without talking about the toys that caused absolute mayhem in toy stores every holiday season. These were the toys that had parents getting into literal fist fights in KB Toys or Toys R Us or Walmart or whatever every <laughs> single year. Tickle Me Elmo, Furby, Tamagotchi, and of course, Beanie Babies. We can't forget the Beanie Babies. These are really kind of like the quintessential toy, I think, of the 90s because this was such a craze. If you didn't live through the Beanie Baby craze, it's really hard to believe that it was as big as it was. This could be its whole own episode because it was just such a crazy phenomenon that took us all by storm. And then I feel like it was gone as quickly as it came. But I, of course, being just the perfect age, was fully immersed in Beanie Baby mania, you guys. There was this store at our local mall. It was called Coach House Gifts. And they sold just, I don't know, random gifty things. They sold hermit crabs, I remember, but they also sold Beanie Babies. There were one of a handful of stores in our area that sold Beanie Babies. And they would do these special Beanie Baby sales. And you somehow had to get on this list and then they would notify you, which I imagine that they would have to call everybody individually because this was like 1996, right? So they would call you when they were getting new shipments of Beanie Babies in and they would allow you to go to the mall before it opened so that you and whoever else was in on these sales could shop these new Beanie Baby shipments before the general public got to them. Like it was like a Beanie Baby pre-sale event. <laughs> and we went one time. I think we only went once because it was scary. <laughs> Like it was intense. I don't really remember the specifics, but I do remember lining up inside the mall before anything was open. It was dark. It was just us and the mall walkers, like the very early morning mall walkers. And there were so many people there. I grew up in a really small town, so our mall was like 20 minutes away. So, you know, there were quite a few communities that this mall serviced, but even 
so i mean for a rural area there were so many people waiting in line to shop this early access beanie baby sale and i'm sure we didn't get a single rare beanie baby or whatever we were there specifically looking for we probably didn't get i mean you couldn't get them i feel like as fast as a beanie baby became popular or hard to get rare valuable whatever they would be completely unavailable except for on ebay and this was the early early days of ebay that would also be an interesting episode i actually still have quite a few of my beanie babies i had so many and i really i started buying them because i thought they were cute toys but i did hang on to a few of them i really loved them I, I thought they were so cute you know especially when they were new before they became collector's items but you know i have to admit i think the collector craze that happened with the beanie babies kind of ruined the fun of the beanie babies for me because i didn't want a toy that i wasn't allowed to play with i mean what kid wants a toy they're not allowed to play with that's not fun let alone a toy that you're supposed to keep in a little plastic protector box with a little plastic protector thing on its tag i mean i didn't even want to keep the tag on let alone put a little plastic thing on it so as influential and important to the 90s pop culture as beanie babies were i can't say looking back that they were one of my actual favorite toys at the time so with that i'm gonna wrap this up by sharing with you my top favorite toys from the 90s number five is a very specific toy and it is the baywatch barbie with the dolphin that came with her and specifically because this dolphin made a sound effect that was i guess supposed to sound like a dolphin i can still hear that dolphin noise that this Barbie dolphin made. It had a little button on its belly and you would push it and it would make this sound. The Barbie itself was pretty cool. She came with a little, you know, life flotation thing and her little Barbie, Barbie Baywatch, you know, red bathing suit. But the dolphin is really what made this Barbie so coveted because as any good 90s kid remembers, we were somehow all obsessed with marine life but specifically dolphins i blame lisa frank number four the american girl of today doll and all of her 90s cool girl accessories i should have looked this up before i recorded i'm not sure the exact year that the girl of today doll came out but i want to say it was probably like 97 ish 96 maybe she had the coolest wardrobe if you don't remember the girl of today doll she was supposed to be the doll that you could customize to look like you you could get her in different hair colors different skin tones and she was a modern american girl so instead of a historical girl she was supposed to represent us currently as kids which really hurts my soul because now there is a historical doll based in 1999 but that's a different conversation the point is that she had all of the stuff that every 90s girl in you know 1997 or whatever year it was wanted she had a desktop macintosh computer she had an a figure skating uniform she had a y2k new year's eve outfit with a little headband that was like shimmery it was my y2k dreams she had all this cool stuff she had yellow metal bunk beds i feel like we all wanted to buy the american girl of today and all of her accessories so that we could live vicariously through this doll 
Number three, another kind of specific one, the doodle bear. If you don't remember the doodle bear, you are missing out. This was probably my favorite toy that I had in like the early part of the 90s when I was pretty young. It was a washable stuffed bear that came with these special markers where you could draw all over this bear and then you would just throw it in the wash and that would all come out. And it was so much fun. You would have your friends sign it. I would take it to school and my friends would draw all over it. I mean, we would spend hours drawing all over this stuffed bear and then you just throw it in the wash and she'd come out good as new. It came in kind of an acid washy looking blue and purple. I'm pretty sure mine was the purple color. If you don't remember it, Google it. I promise you it'll spark some memories. It was such a fun toy and essentially it was just a stuffed animal that you could draw on. <laughs> Number two, maybe a little controversial. I don't know if everybody's going to consider this a toy, but for the purposes of this list, being that they're my favorites, I'm gonna consider it a toy. Nickelodeon's Gak. I don't know what it was about these little substances that came in little plastic containers that took us all by storm, but I was obsessed with Gak. I had it in so many different colors, and I don't remember where you could buy it. I'm assuming you could buy it from toy stores, but I do remember that they would show ads for it all the time on Nickelodeon and back when Nickelodeon had a magazine, there would be ads in Nickelodeon magazine and I'm pretty sure you could send for it. Like you could fill out an order form and put it in the mail with a check and they would mail it to you. But I probably bought mine at like Toys R Us or something. It kind of makes sense because now kids are obsessed with slime or I don't know if that's still a thing, but it was a few years ago. But essentially this was our generation's version of slime. It was just this gooey stuff that you could pull apart. You could kind of stretch it. I mean, I don't even know what we did with it besides just kind of like pull on it and, and stretch it, maybe put it over your face. But it was so fun. I mean, such a simple thing. And it provided endless hours of entertainment. And number one, my absolute favorite toy of the entire 90s, probably the most important toy <laughs> that I ever had, none other than the Tamagotchi. When the Tamagotchis came out, these were a craze like unrivaled by anything at that point. I mean, Beanie Babies are probably the only thing that I remember being almost as obsessed with as the Tamagotchi. It was, if you don't know, a little digital pet that you would have to feed and take care of and clean up its poop or it would die. <laughs> when I say it would die, it would show your little Tamagotchi alien creature on the tiny little screen with angel wings and like a skull basically saying, you killed your digital pet. These were such a big deal when they first came out that for a while you couldn't find them in stores. I remember my first one, they came in all different colors, but my first one was white and like gray, which was not fun at all. I wanted a bright pink one or purple one or something, but you couldn't find them. So when I saw the white and gray one, it was the only one left. I jumped on the chance to buy it. And it got so bad and so popular that my school banned them because we would all be sitting in class being like, oh, gotta feed my Tamagotchi, gotta clean up my Tamagotchi's poop. I would even take it and I would strap it to the strap of my overalls. I literally wore my Tamagotchi on my person. <laughs> and I'm still kind of scarred by the little death icon of the Tamagotchi. I actually got one a couple years ago to use in content and I tried to keep it alive. I made it, I think seven days, which is pretty good, but I was really sad when it died. <laughs> 
I also do have to give an honorable mention to the board game Mall Madness, which I was fully obsessed with for at least a year or two in the 90s. I decided not even to get into board games in this episode because there were so many memorable ones that I really loved. So that really could be its own episode. Maybe I'll follow up at some point with an episode just on board games. So stay tuned for that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is a very fun conversation. If you did enjoy it, I would so appreciate sharing this episode with somebody else who might enjoy it just as much as you did. I will be back next time. Until then, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.